fun. Well, folks, the Fed meeting's over with. We'll discuss it. Pause, hawkish pause, whatever. Marcus down 15 in the handles. We got a lot to discuss. Tech wreck? Is it just another buy the dip opportunity? We'll ask Craig Johnson at 835 for Piper Sandler. Folks, this is pre-market prep out of Thursday ahead of the quad witch. Mitch, let's get it going. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. All right, folks, let's get things started with the September contract down 15 and three quarters handles at 4302.75. The buck getting a bounce up 21 cents, 102.74. Bonds down a half a point, 126 and a half. Crude up 63, but a ways away from 70 at 69.08. Gold getting shellacked down 29.40 at 1940. Silver in the red by 70 cents at 23.41. And Bitcoin taking a hit down 925 at 24,975. Triple D, I know you're a little bit uh, tired, but I got a new segment I want to start today. What's the segment? Stump Triple D. Oh, you're going to be able to stump me today. I tell you. I'm running on about two brain cells. I got two hours of sleep last night. Uh, the boy woke up, had an asthma attack at one in the morning, had to call the ambulance and the whole shebang. So okay. treated him, got him breathing well. He, We just got back from the hospital here at 630 this morning. So it's been a night, we'll say that. But he's sleeping on the couch, so he's okay here now. Um, he had an asthma attack like two years ago. He seems like every couple of years he gets these, so. Anyways, he's good now. Just been a long night. Okay, so I'll take it easy on you. Okay, okay and take I, it easy I, on me. And I'll give you and I'll give you some hints if you don't get it right away. Okay. But but you're the king of relationships and markets, right? Oh man. And I think I think one one of your keys has been able to identify when relationships change, right? Mm -hmm. And when they are no longer valid. Sure. And I came across something. Uh, uh, you know, doing a little bit of research and I see a huge change in a relationship. I'll, I'll tell you when it happened. It happened in the middle of April and up to now. And this is something that um, we for a long time, we said when this goes up, this goes up. And I'll, I'll give you a hint. OK. One of them is the triple Q's. That's the one going up. So what you're did we telling say? me something else goes up when the Qs goes no, up? Well, we said that for a long time. We said that for well, a Bitcoin. long time. Yeah. 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 And Bitcoin was following the QQQs for a long time there, too. We said it was like a NASDAQ stock. And then it decoupled from that for a while when we had the regional banking crisis. And yes. everybody was flight to Bitcoin. Banks are collapsing. This is the moment the Bitcoiners were waiting for. And that's when you saw Bitcoin go from 18 to 30. 
Obviously, regional banks now have stabilized. That's not good news for Bitcoin. Um, so maybe Bitcoin goes back to trading like a NASDAQ stock again here. NASDAQ tech wreck here this morning. A lot of tech stocks down. Bitcoin getting hit here once again. Um, you know, I mean, this is you know, going to go back to maybe just trading with tech stocks. Well, here's a relationship. I mean, since April 14th, when Bitcoin futures topped out at 30845 it's down at 19%. And since April 14th, the triple Qs are up 14%. Yeah, so this relationship you're saying now is broken down completely. Right, yeah. right. So I think I just, it's the regional bank stability that had the extra fluff in there. Okay. So I think why you obviously saw it decouple completely was back in March. We saw just Bitcoin rip higher. And that was all because of the regional bank. So now that we've got that regional bank stability, that's actually bad news for Bitcoin. So I think you have that money that was hiding in there, maybe moving back to banks. So maybe moving back to, you know, out of that. So there's 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 obviously, you know, with any stock or any asset, balls are juggling in the air. So I do think it still trades with the NASDAQ to a certain extent. I believe that decoupling in the last couple of months is purely due to the, the strength that we had in the regional banks. And then you can see clearly as KRE stabilized about a month ago, Bitcoin since that time has pretty much been straight down. So all that money that was hiding in Bitcoin because fearing bank collapse has come out. So and that's you, what you're seeing. Yeah. So I think it eventually goes back to just trading with the NASDAQ. Okay. All right. So perhaps we caught it a little bit late, but uh, no, I maybe you're that. catching it just at the right time because now you can like reestablish that relationship you know, uh, as it is. So I, I, I think it's a good point, though, Joel, because we've said for so long, you know, it just moves with the NASDAQ, moves with the NASDAQ. And you're pointing out clearly that wasn't the case over the course of the last couple of months. Uh, yep. I do think it comes back to that, though. So I do think that it's going to start trading again with tech stocks. I think and, unless, you know, the regional banking crisis worsens because there's definitely a negative correlation between banking so Bitcoin and KRE will say that's even a stronger relationship now, the negative correlation between Bitcoin and the KRE. So I think still you've got to watch that as KRE strengthens, if it can ever get over 45, which it has not. And I think this brings us into another conversation here, going over to the banks. They've had a pretty good rally. The regional banks have rallied. Are we out of the woods? That's hard to say. I will say from a technical perspective, Carrie looks like it's failing at the 45, Joel. It sure does. Doesn't it? Look at this yeah. 45. Look at all the highs in March, in April, the collapse in May. The IWM has bounced significantly because the KRE has stabilized and started going higher. If the KRE fails at 45 and starts to break down again, that's not good for the value trade. So we've got to keep an eye on that. Is this a turning point? I don't know, but I don't like that candle from yesterday. I don't no. That you know, it started showing weakness here. I don't like that. It doesn't want to get up over that 45. We need it to get over that 45 for the IWM rally to have legs. Tech may not need it, but the IWM definitely does. So if you're and I am in the IWM, if you're a believer in the broad-based market rally, you need carry above 45. 
Yeah, I'm looking at this 185 level in IWM, and that just looks huge, right? You had the big up day, mm. and you've held that. And you're still comfortably above it. You touched it yesterday. Actually, the S&Ps did come back uh, to the uh, uh, to the previous day's low, and uh, I actually just missed it and got a nice bounce. Same here with IWM. So really, things are all systems go still here to the upside. But uh, let's bring up Money Mitch in, and Mitch, uh, just recap all the all the all the jabber coming out of Jerome Powell. All right, let's get to the action. Let's get to some of those highlights. Um, I thought this was the most important uh, conversation here, and this was an actual quote. It said that it will be appropriate to cut rates at such time as inflation is coming down really significantly again. But we're talking a couple of years out, uh, as Powell clearly says. As anyone can see, not a single person on the committee wrote down a rate cut this year, and nor do I think it's likely to be appropriate. And then, of course, uh, you guys saw on the June dot plot that this is stating that there could be another 50 basis points in interest rate hikes during this cycle. Um, so we don't know if this is going to come in the July 25th to 26th. Are they going to do 25 basis points then and continue it going? When will they do this 50 basis points that's clearly stated on the dot plot? We'll have to wait and see. Now there's a 61.5% chance for the Federal Reserve to hike rates by a quarter point on that next meeting. So the statement came off hawkish, but the commentary really from Powell came <laughs> yeah. off dovish. Um, S&P's got hit significantly on the statement, and that was because they talked about a 50 raise, and nobody was thinking a 50 raise. They were thinking a quarter and done. Nobody was thinking they were going another quarter after that. So that's what shook the market up. And then Powell was so dovish in the call. That's why the S&P has rallied back, you know, and he's talking about inflation. You know, they're getting ahead of it and talking about, you know, factors involved. And, you know, we know they cook the numbers. But, um, I mean, to, to Raggy's point yesterday, it doesn't matter if the numbers are BS or not. It's what they trade on. It's what the stocks will trade on. So you got to trade them on the BS numbers. They say inflation's coming in and they're cooking the books to make it happen. I mean, what are you going to do? So it's coming in at least in the data. So, I mean, that's the good news. Is there another 50? Maybe. I, I, I think the market's calling. I don't. Off, I think if you're in this stock because you think that there are cutting rates, I think you need to crawl back in your hole. I don't see. I mean, we don't have signs of a recession yet and i'm not saying a recession is not going to happen i was off i was thinking you know you could be right and wrong at the same time i'm thinking man you know this would be a good time to stick a quarter point in there the market's way up right way up here we got some latitude you know to to be a little bit hawkish and he basically we went down and you know with uh you know with the half being thrown on the table yeah i'm looking for i mean stability in rates that's it we're not going to seven percent and we're not going to three percent we could be between the four and six percent range until 2025 two i mean of course if we go into a, a steep recession then that you know they have but they are not gonna just on a dime pause they, they showed no sign of pausing right right now is well, there they any pause, sign of but a pause they show, but they're not saying they're done they're not exactly. saying they're done. Exactly. I think 
I think there's, um, you know, the only way that they lower rates is if we go into a recession, which obviously isn't good for stocks. So, I mean, if you're banking, you know, we're just going back down to this one, two percent soon. That means the economy is going to fall off a cliff. So I do think rates can stay elevated for a period of time here. Um, and I think the economy surprisingly appears to be able to handle it. So, which that very much surprises me, but that's what we're seeing. You know, the, the consumer is very resilient. We know we've talked about this before. The banks are getting around it. The car companies, you know, just extend the amortizations out on your car loans. Banks extend the amortizations out on your on your homes. And, you know, all of a sudden you go from 25-year mortgage to 35-year mortgage while rates can go up. The payments stay the same. You're just paying it off over a longer period of time. So people have managed, banks have managed to get around it to continue to allow the consumer to spend like they are. And like you were saying, it's busy out mm-hmm. there still too. There's no signs of an imminent recession here. And we'll go but, right to Lennar. What a great segue, Dennis, to Lennar. Well, and, and, and here's another comment. So we'll go to Lennar's earnings, but before they even say, I mean, there are so many people doing projects now that were put on hold when lumber prices escalated. So I have my shop. I'm building my shop. Why? Because lumber prices came back down. So I think that's driving the home builders right now is, you know, they were doing okay through COVID, but, you know, they, they, you know, obviously didn't do as well as they could have. But because lumber prices went so much, there was projects that were put on hold. Those projects are now coming back on the table. As much as we were talking about those surgeries, those, you know, like people not You're doing reading my mind. The surgeries yesterday. Yep. You know that the obviously you know they're, they're going to do what they have to do, but you know those those surgeries that aren't as important, those were put on hold. Well, I think a lot of people put you know projects like you know like doing you know different builds or building their home on hold. I think those have come back, and that's why Lenar's numbers were very good. Mitch, bring us into those numbers before I just um, I talked uh, with uh, my medical uh, expert on the on the stocks, and I wanted to gauge her reaction, and she said you know that. I mean, basically, I mean, she's basically by the dip and everything, but she's like, these companies are still going to make money. That these elective surgeries, let's say you needed a hip replacement, oh, you yeah. didn't get it. You know, these are things, I mean, even uh, she mentioned like even breast reductions are going to be covered. She says the hospitals are going to make out on it and eventually the insurance companies are going to make out on it. So she was in the buy the dip mode on that. So I just wanted to, uh, they did rebound off the lows, trading a little bit up today. But uh, I just wanted to add that before we go to the NAR earnings. Lennar Corporation, a leading home builder, has exceeded expectations with an impressive Q2 adjusted earnings per share of 294, beating estimates. And the company also raising guidance here for home deliveries, indicating a strong housing market. This all makes sense, though. You know, and when you think about it, and obviously I missed this trade because we were anticipating that, you know, the consumer is going to get strapped. But if they're not getting strapped, and the other thing is supply, right? People aren't moving, especially in the States. In Canada, you don't see as much because we're not on all these 30-year fixed mortgages. You know, they don't have those products in Canada. They give you a five-year fix, and then you got to reset. So, I mean, nobody's moving if they got to get a new rate. If everybody's locked in at 3 4%, nobody wants to go up to 7%. So, people aren't selling their homes. So, that gives you a, you know, that reduces supply that's out there. So, then people need houses. So, you know, they got to come from somewhere. So, there's demand to go build houses. And if they're doing longer amortizations, 
that helps that. And lumber prices have come down. Some of the other input costs have gone up. Steel's not come down. You know, I know I just had a couple steel beams put in my shop. They weren't cheap. Um, labor has not come down much, but lumber has come down significantly. Like, I don't know, like in the States, but I know here, you know, at peak COVID, we were paying $12 for a two by four. It's back to four or five bucks. It's back to, you know, pre-COVID pricing. So that's one thing that has come all the way back full circle is lumber, you know, at least close to it anyway. Sheets of plywood, you know, come down significantly. It's all come down. I just did my lumber package on my shop. You know, trusses were significantly cheaper than what it would have been two years ago. So I do think there is that all driving that demand too. Does that mean we come and buy the home builders now? Are they priced, you know, as good as it gets? I don't know. I've been so wrong on the home builders. I don't even want to make a call on them. 117. I'm just going to keep an eye on that. Made a new all-time high yesterday at 117.34. That was buffeted by two other highs at 117. Uh, We shot up over, man, these old builders always like overextend. 119.77. Maybe you'll get a look at that, but when a stock's making a new all-time high, it's very hard to identify resistance. But if I was long this stock in my portfolio, I would just want to make sure it stays above 117, closes above 117, and you get a breakout here. The last two times it came up to this area was back in late uh, 21 and early 22, and we failed miserably. So 117, the number of the day in Lennar. If you want to know why stocks just took a little bit of a hit there, ECB just breaking. ECB does hike rates 0.025, up by 0.25%. So, I mean, this is still, this rate hike cycle is still going on across the board, except for in China where they cut rates last night. So different story over in China. But obviously here, we just saw a little dip in the S&P, and that's because the ECB hiked rates a quarter point. All right, let's move over to Kroger's as Kroger's, the leading grocery retailer, surpasses earnings expectations with Q1 EPS of $1.51, beating the estimates. However, sales fell slightly short of its projection of $45.16 billion. The company forecasted adjusted free cash flow for fiscal year 23 in the range of $2.5 billion to $2.7. Um. <sighs> Do we want to go Krogering? Maybe on the dip. I, I don't know. Like people are starting to buy groceries, but there's no AI story here. <laughs> so again, you know, what I've been buying on dips is technology. You can see, you know, you know, and I obviously when I put something in long-term portfolio, I usually tell you guys, you know, short-term trading, I'm in and out of everything. But on the long-term stuff, you know, I was buying AMD, you know, like the Airbnb, whatever the hell else I've been buying. And you can see there's a theme here. It's been mostly tech. So I still think that's what I'm looking at on dips here. It's mostly tech. Hard to get all excited about Kroger. Does it bounce back? Maybe. It's down a buck thirty-nine. There's some support down here, forty-four, forty-five. It's not an expensive stock, but it's not man, sexy either. This thing really turned, man. While the market, yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm going back and I'm trying to find uh, on May 25th, and I'm not seeing any news on it back on that day, but. Man, oh man, it looks like a whale just came out of this one. I don't know if the Warren decided to hit the exit button, but man, I haven't seen Kroger have uh, one, two, three, four, five days like that in a long time. We're trading on the pre-market lows. Dennis mentioned the major support uh, down at the 44.50 area. 
I like to see what happens here under 40. Right here, this area is interesting. If they're going to get a little bounce here, I see three highs at this 45.50 area. Of course, we'll use the bottom of yesterday's range at 46.71 uh, as resistance. Uh, but right now, some, someone's uh, hitting the sell button and hitting it hard here. So Kroger, uh, let's not go Kroger. In. I haven't been there in a while. Maybe that's uh, hurt the, the reason. Back to the old Myers. uh ship or whatever ship when you uh go pick it up or whatever so any any sympathy plays with this um what's uh what's no, about progress is boring move on <laughs> okay no all right let's go to american express as shares are declining here two percent in the pre-market following a warning by city about a slowdown in credit card spending trends here. Uh -huh. City highlights concerns about the travel entertainment sectors, which are experiencing a sharper decline compared to other categories. What, um, why just American Express picking on then? Like, is that uh, MasterCard, Visa, not uh, really? I mean, they maybe they're not. Because they're not even moving. They didn't mention it, Dennis. Maybe so the, yeah, the bots, the bots don't put it together that they oh, don't put it together that it's... maybe it's between Mastercard and Visa. The bots don't put that together. They just look at American Express, and that was specifically nope. mentioned, and it's the one getting hit. How Ooh, stupid of a market this is! Totally algorithmic driven. Um, down three, American Express. All depends on what you think. It's been a hell of a run here, though. One, yeah, I can't, I can't step in here. Like, yeah. let's talk a 50% retracement of the recent move. We know how we like, we taught it yesterday. Exactly. Four resistance trends, 50%. Yeah. We just came from 150, went up 25 points. So 12 bucks down is like 162. So your buy area on this is 160 to 162. I'm not buying the pullback here. I think you got to at least get a couple lows in the same area, you know, before you do it. I don't really see any. Uh, 170 was one daily low. That's not enough. It's actually 169.56, but you lose that and you're looking at 167.50. Uh, the better setup, and I'll tell you, if I would have been at, trip, at that uh, Triple D, I, I would saw this news. I would have hit the, if you got a chance to hit Visa going through the, well, no, it's right there. Uh, you have three. This is big level, two twenty-two fifty. Man, oh man, it takes out that two twenty-two fifty. That's only a buck down. Hmm. What's the market in that one, Dennis? Is it uh, is it pretty wide? No, it's it's tight. Twenty-two. Hey. This bed two two twenty-two sixty on Visa right Tell now. Tell you right now, I, I'm itching for a short in Mastercard. Looking at this setup. Um, because Let's you can see. see the resistance there. It's you got a buy and balance this morning. I don't have the note in front of me, so I don't know if other things were mentioned in here. You always get spooked when they start mentioning sectors because maybe they mention it somewhere else. It's interesting that MasterCard and Visa are both unresponsive to this, though. Yeah. I, I still think the firm news wasn't great for Visa or MasterCard either. So I haven't got – I sold my MasterCard. I had it from $16. I sold it like $350 last year because the valuation was just getting high. I mean, it's still up here. hasn't went down at all. Didn't really even go down during, you know, the recent sell-off. It's near the highs. These are unbelievably well-run companies. Mastercard and Visa much different than American Express, just in the whole setup of how they are. And they're just, you know, processors. They're just transaction process is what they do, and they're just collecting. They don't take a lot of risk. So they're different setups there. But this Mastercard, just look at that chart on the bottom right. You know, we're fifty dollars. Now we're three hundred and seventy-four dollars. I mean. It's just richly, richly, there. richly yep. valued. Yep. Hanging in there. SAP's clinging to 4,400 right here, down uh, 18 handles, kind of quiet. A ways away from yesterday's low, and I just want to 
alert our traders and investors here that there's a pair of lows down there. So, I mean, I think you got to stick in the bullish camp. It's right around 4382. Uh, we came down. You can see the IWM bottom in that same area. So, I think for now, until we take that level out and close below that level, you still got to give control to the bulls. But uh, still early in the session. All right, I'm seeing uh, SoFi take a hit today, and this is off of a downgrade coming in here. So they're coming after a little bit of some SoFi action today. Oppenheimer analyst Dominic Gabriel uh, downgraded SoFi's tech from outperform to perform, and now you're seeing SoFi starting to take a hit. <laughs> this was such a run. Stocks doubled in one, in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. In fourteen sessions, the stock has doubled, five to ten. 10's a logical, you know, turning point here for stocks. Just like Tesla, you know, great call by you yesterday, Mitch. Great call by me as well. We kind of felt like it was just, you know, getting too much. And, you know, obviously it's coming down here now. SoFi, same thing. It's just went up too much, too fast. It needs a cooling period. Is the story over here? No, I don't think so. You know, you get back down to the $8 area, you probably find buyers. But we just went up too much too fast. Look how close Tesla came to filling a gap on a monthly chart. You know, not a daily, but a monthly here. Uh, you had a, a monthly low <clears throat> at 62.47. And look how close you got to it yesterday, 61.57. And uh, so, man, just missed it by a buck. Sometimes you just you have to use the uh, whole numbers by uh, a gap fill. But look how close that came. And it took one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight months to fill that gap, it did pull them back, uh, taking out the parallels from yesterday. Mitch, don't even think about covering this one today. Huh. Don't even, don't even think about it. Joel, take we don't give investment advice. Screen. We don't get trading advice, and Mitch is very short term, so I'm sure he's up eight bucks, thinking I'm already itching to cover it right now. <laughs> yeah, I, I see these gains, and I'm like, what do you mean, Joel? What do you mean, Joel? This is what we do. We take the gains and we got them, and the market takes them from us. He doesn't listen to pre-market prep. <laughs> I just think about how I, I think about how I did it I, yesterday. I just, okay, um, but at least today we don't have like an FOMC meeting where I'm going to get I, those I, huge wicks movement. Right, it's it so. moved so much. It's up a hundred points in a month. So yeah. you know yeah. we're talking about a stock up seventy five percent in a month. Yeah. So a cool off period. All these stocks are like, oh my goodness, Tesla's killed. No, it's not killed. It's back to where it was three days ago. Can it fill the gap? That's what I'll be looking for. There's a little gap below uh, 242.02 down there nice. towards uh, Underneath demand over here, though, the story isn't just going to break. It's not just going to be over. You know, people want to get on this Tesla train here. So there's a lot of underneath demand in all these stocks. Just like NVIDIA had a cool off period for five days. And then what happens? Makes a new high again. You know, here I thought, well, maybe it's topping out. Well, no, it literally just three, four, five days of consolidation, then she goes again. So that's the best thing to do. Use NVIDIA as, if you're thinking about going long Tesla right now and saying, I got to buy this, use NVIDIA. Wait for the hook. You know, we talk about the hook. It started hooking around. Wait till the momentum starts to turn the other way. Because right now, you know, who knows? This could go to 230 and bulls are still in control, but you don't want to be down 18 bucks. So I think that's what you got to do is just, you know, wait until the momentum starts to turn. The NVIDIA started to turn consolidation station from 375, 395. Then we got the close over 400 and then boom, the next day it's 430. So, I mean, that's what you, that's the way you got to What a beast. What a Can't beast. Can't stop it, huh? man. It doesn't want to turn. Evaluation is meaningless when the story is hot. We always say that. That's, you 100%. know, people are saying it's trading 200 times earnings. Sure. Whatever. I mean, valuations. 
doesn't matter though because the story is so hot it will cool off eventually you know and obviously you know things and circumstances change but i mean the stock made a new all-time high yesterday so i don't like being short stocks making new all-time highs the, the whole problem is your natural human tendency is to sell what is strong and to buy what is weak you know like i like i, I think about like you know my one friend who was you know over like 20 years ago, I was just getting into the stock market or 25 years ago and I'd have CNBC on. He's like, oh, that, that one's down 10. That one's got to come back. You know, he's not into the market. He was just like a buddy that was over, you know, just watching it with me. And he's like, he was looking at all the red ones thinking, oh, I want to buy that red one. I'd buy the red one, the one that's down because it's going to come back. That's what where the new natural human tendency and that's what everybody does wrong. So 90% of traders want to come in and, and think, I'm going to buy this, you know, and it's going to come right back. I'm going to make all this money. But it doesn't work that way. The momentum continues, you know. So what we learned, you know, obviously, you know, from a lot of smart technicians out there and a lot of people who change the game is momentum. You know, you buy what's strong, strong gets stronger, weak get weaker. And that still holds. There are contrarian markets here, but we are not in a contrarian market here right now. We've been in a momentum market, especially for tech, for the last five months. So we've got to respect those trends. NVIDIA is strong, valuation meaningless yeah. when you've got stocks making new all-time highs. Uh, yep. Uh, just use uh, that made that all time closing high by a wide margin. So right now, 29, ooh, right up near the high and a whole number. So 430, that's the only thing you have. Yesterday's low, 405.52. I, geez, man, that's still like 19 bucks away. So what a beast. AMD, uh, I identified that, that seller in the pre-market uh, yesterday at 129. Dennis, I was hoping you were going to get a look at 129. Never even came close to that. Let me see if I can illustrate it a little bit better. Right. On, I, on the I, I don't want to cut you off, Joel. Oh, retail sales. Really ca uh, careful here for retail sales. Right. Just looking out for everybody here. Um, I'm going to put up my Benzinga Pro so you guys can get the little preview. Really, I'm not even here. going wide. That's how scared I am. Um, retail sales here month over month, negative 0.1 prior to 0.4. Um, we're also going to get continuous jobless claims here. Also, 1.76 oh, well, million. Different. Um, so jobless claims, just be careful there. Well, Initial jobless claims, 250,000. Uh, so we'll see what happens here, team. Last last one was 261,000. Do we get a spike in jobless claims? Of course, Jerome still saying that he expects to see the labor market weakening. Let's see what we get from the numbers. What's the action showing us? Yeah, we're we're just for well right now we're at the battle of forty four hundred uh retail sales. I mean it just depends where you're shopping, you know. If it's a foot locker, then you don't expect them to be good. And if it's some other places you do. Uh right now we're seeing some pre-market resistance here at forty four oh five. I mean nothing major, just the last free brackets. And then you got pre-market support here. It's been at forty four hundred. So the onus is on the bulls to get it above forty four oh five and Ah, man, it just looks like people that uh, maybe got caught short yesterday didn't cover on the close. They're saying, you know what? I'm not going to hold out for yesterday's low. 4,400 is not looking too bad. Uh, 4,398.75, that's the current low. And we are not getting much of a reaction as predicted by Dennis here. All right, yeah, retail sales I didn't for even May. move any orders. Retail sales for May coming in at 0 0.3 versus a negative 0 0.1 estimate. So a lot. And pretty good outlook there. It didn't come into the negatives there. Uh, core retail sales at 0.1 versus 0.1. Initial jobless claims at 262,000 versus 250,000 estimate. So definitely seeing a little spike there in the jobless claims. 
Um, we'll see if that can continue that trend, right? We've been seeing that at least beat the estimate now, I think, for the last three reports. But I'm going to verify that. But something that I'm definitely keeping an eye out for, if jobless claims can actually start really taking a, a spike to the upside, and then we can see maybe inflation really come. All right, uh, Fed manufacturing index also at a negative 13.7 versus a negative 13.5 estimate. Prior was at 10.4. Uh, that shows a little bit of slowing down, but not too much that I think here is worrisome. It's kind of hard to get excited over these numbers after you have a you know a CPI, PPI, Fed meeting, and quad witch. So quad uh, witch, man, the quad witch coming. <laughs> I know uh, our, our man Tim Quast is out there. Balancing, we have the Russell rebalance <laughs> next Friday too. Ooh. So there's going to be a lot of you know movement here, just from indexers, obviously moving and adjusting for their index, for for their own e ETFs and stuff. So I mean, there's going to be a lot of you know rebalancing happening here over the course of the last next week, and S and P is doing some tomorrow as well. So going to be some movement. All right. Well, we got these numbers. We got, of course, the FOMC meeting yesterday. We got CPI. We got the quad witch coming up. You know what? Let's go ahead and go to one of our best guests today. You guys out there, smash a like. All right. Mr. Craig Johnson, managing director over at Piper Sandler. What a, what a perfect time. Had a technical research. We're at a key technical level. I cannot remember where your year-end price target was. Was it right around 4400 or was it a little bit higher? No, we uh, established a price objective of 4625 Uh We did that back in November of last year. And uh, we're now tracking uh, we're tracking to, to achieve that number by year end. It's not going to be achieved in a linear fashion. That wouldn't be good for trading, of course. But uh, we will get there, I think. And there's a, still a lot of negativity out there at this point in time among investors. It's crazy that, I mean, people, I, I guess, are just looking and saying the interest rates have to hit. You know, and I was in this camp three months ago and saying, well, you know, we got the pull, but we got the big rally in January, which I kind of thought, you know, was oversold and we get the tech rally. And then we start selling off. But, you know, I, it took me a long time to turn me into the bull camp here, too. What turned me about three weeks ago was when the IWM and we had a lot of the value names starting to show life. Because all of a sudden, you know, I was just like, well, OK, we were. And, you know, people say it wasn't five stocks. Well, it was for a long time. And then you had other tech stocks picking it up. And then now you seem to have everything picking it up. So it's definitely not five stocks anymore. So what, you know, one, you know, does this bull market continue here to what could possibly derail it, Craig? Well, let's let's dive into your comment there about market breath, because market breath has been a conversation that I've been having with people on uh, a regular basis. Mm -hmm. It's not only you, but all the institutions are asking the same question. Mm -hmm. And one of the observations that I would make is uh, in all of the work that we do, and again, we're looking at every single stock above a 25 million market cap and a $2 price, I would make the observation that we are at the second highest numbers in terms of our industry groups that are making 26 week new highs right now wow. for the year. Okay. Or over the last, I should say over the last 12 months. 
So that is starting to improve. If I take some very, very simple tools to help us identify trending stocks and trending industry groups and things like that, I will tell you that on an individual stock basis, almost half of all of those stocks that we track are now in some form of an uptrend. Mm-hmm. So, Dennis, to your point, the breadth of the market is improving below the surface, mm-hmm. but a lot of investors just focus on, well, like my mom, the Dow, and then they dive a little bit deeper into the S&P 500 and probably don't get down into the Russell. But as you dive into all these pieces, it's starting to improve. And take it even one step further, Dennis, and look at how many groups are back above a simple 40-week moving average or 200-day moving average. Put a 10-week filter on that, and you're starting to move in the right direction, and breadth is improving. Um, I think going forward from here to year-end, uh, if I had to sort of lay it all out, make a prediction for all of, for everybody here today, I think your small-cap growth is probably going to be a key area in this market uh, going forward from here to year-end. And again, it's not, that's not a consensus view by any means. When you have stocks uh, hit like a trillion dollar market cap over the history with NVIDIA, which has just been an absolute beast, what what have your observations? I mean, to me, it means absolutely nothing. I mean, if something's in momentum, if it's in play, if it's got the news, I mean, just uh, from observing stocks over the years, what have we've had? Apple hit the, uh, the trillion dollar market cap. Uh, does it really mean anything? Well, the, the actual number does not mean anything, but what is more significant about the move you've seen in NVIDIA is, and I'm consistently hearing this from a lot of institutions, like they can't own any more NVIDIA. Like they have limits. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Choking on it. They have position sizes that they cannot own any more of this. It's become such a large position in their portfolio. So you're seeing a lot more covered call writing happening. You're starting to see some of those things. So I would not be surprised with some of these trillion dollar market cap companies that they're at maximum positions. So what that ultimately means is that you're going to get covered call writing, some position taking, uh, excuse me, some trimming of those positions. And then the money has to be fully invested for those institutional investors. So that's going to further be the mechanism to broaden out this market. All right. Now, of course, uh, you've been on here before, given a year-end outlook that I think most might have not agreed with. And I wanted to know your update now. Where do you see the markets going, Craig? Well, we talked about we talked about originally the Dr. Seuss, the hop, the drop, and the pop. And uh, we did sort of modify that viewpoint to be more of a hop, a drop slash chop. Because I don't think you're going to get as deep of a pullback in sort of that drop phase. So if I can throw my screen on, if that's okay. I would love to see it. Okay. So under present. Yep. You'll see an entire screen. There you go. Uh, Another leg lower here in the I like like Joel. Watch your bids. Watch your bids, my man. Always looking out for us. (laughs) Let's see. Entire screen right here. Here we go. All right. So I think you can now see my screen. Yep, getting you up, Craig. Perfect. All right. So originally we talked about this hop, a drop, and a pop, ultimately. Mm-hmm. And I think we're yeah. now at a point in time where this this drop is mm-hmm. going to be a lot less, maybe 4 or 5%. I'm not sure why it's blinking Can you out give me a second, Craig? Just uh, Can you just sure. reshare it right quick there? I think some some yeah. reason we're having a little issue. It's on my stream yard. It's not necessarily your side. I okay. see it just blinking there. Okay, so I'm going to come back in here, share screen. 
Sorry about this, everyone. No worries, guys. guys. I think it's on our end, Craig. Yeah. Okay. Maybe that's a little better. Yeah, a lot better. No okay. bleeding. So this is where I think this sort of drop chop phase comes in, and there's sort of more of a consolidation among some of these larger cap companies out there. And then we sort of end up into a phase where maybe you do a little bit of consolidation, a little backing and filling over the summer months. But ultimately, at a year end, I see this uh, trend continuing. There's a couple other things that I just want to bring up, too, for uh, for the listeners. Um, one of the other things we like to also look at is the commitment to traders reports. And when we've gone back and looked at some of this data through history, what I found interesting with this is just in the last month or so, we've literally had data that's been as negative as some of these other huge periods of time, 2011, 2020. And when I've gone back and seen this sort of positioning, this negative, what's been interesting to me is look at the forward returns a couple months later. The probabilities and the forward returns have been pretty terrific. Yeah. So, again, so much negativity, it's going to have to get unwound. It's going to have to go another direction. Now, something on a bigger picture perspective to think about, too, is how often do we see the NASDAQ really outperform the Dow? And when has that historically happened? Well, when we've seen this happen in the past, I put these gold bars in at every instance since the 1970s where the NASDAQ has outperformed the Dow by at least 10% in a given quarter. And when that's happened, it's lined almost perfectly with the end of recession windows. Now, you're going to say to me, Dennis, you're going to say, Craig, we haven't even had the recession yet. Yeah. And I would say, I agree. It has not been declared. And that's sort of the confusing part about it for a lot of, for a lot of folks is we're getting a reaction right now like we have coming off of other prior major market lows, that's actually quite bullish. And again, you look at forward returns from those sort of levels. What if I told you a month later, you're at least half a percent higher, 57% of the time you say, woo, no big deal. But put it into the context that you're higher six months later, 7% with a positivity of 69%. Guess what? We're at our year-end objective. We're there. Joel, we'll hit our year-end objective if this trend plays out like history suggests that it has in the past. What sectors are you focusing on here now, Craig? Because we know tech has had a significant rally. Is the catch-up trade and the value names here for real? We've seen in the last three weeks, obviously, a lot of catching up happening here. Is this trade for real? Should we be buying pullbacks on value or buying pullbacks on growth or buying pullbacks on both? I'd be buying the pullbacks on on the growth is what I'd be buying. And at okay. a sector level, uh, industrials, healthcare, technology, they're showing the best relative strength in our work. Uh, we are underweight energy, utilities, and consumer staples, where you're going to find more of those defensive type names. But here's one of the charts that I called out, uh, a couple of charts that I called out in our weekly uh, on Monday. Take a look at large cap versus small cap. Small cap is clearly starting to play catch up. There's no question about it. So for traders coming down cap, you're probably going to get some bigger opportunities. And then your question of growth versus value, simple ratio chart tells you that there is no change in growth. And that's why I said earlier here on the show that I think from here to your end, small cap growth is probably going to be the uh, one of the better places to be focusing on it this, from here to your end. Craig, when uh, you know when the market has a, the rally that it has, January, you know, nice rally. February, giving it back. We know what's happened since that. You know, the the trend has been established. So, 
what we're having a little bit of a pullback here if you you know if you think that the pullback is substantial here from that high that we made yesterday then by all means you know go ahead try and you know buy the dip today but you know just looking at your technicals and you know what you're looking in the market where would be if you want to be a little bit patient you know today quad witch tomorrow do you have an area of, of support, like maybe some former resistance that will act as old, you know, old support? So let's say you missed a run up, you're not selling, you want to buy more. Where where would you look look to? And this we'll just go to the S and P here for a logical retracement or yeah. potential support area. I guess what I'd be looking for ultimately uh, here on this particular chart, and I think it'd probably be easier to bring it up on uh, on Bloomberg. So if you give me one second, sure. Um, or is just let me know when you're ready, Craig. Yep. But as I as I look at this, what I would say is I am hearing from institutions like, hey, we've really missed it this year. We've been too we've been too bearish and looking for some sort of recession, looking for some sort of correction, uh, you know, in the marketplace. And that really hasn't been playing out that way. Now, coming back to the chart of the S&P 500, if you're looking for any sort of pullback or setback or an opportunity to be, you know, buying the dip, you got some support that's going to come in around uh, this sort of 42, 90-ish level. You've got this kind of whole zone of consolidation. You've got a rising 20-day moving average coming into play right here. Uh, that's at um, about 40, about 42.38. So we could see these little pullbacks in this range. It's not going to change anything. Your momentum is still very, very strong, as you can see here in the bottom of the chart. Um, some would say it's a little bit ahead of itself. Yeah, maybe, but just because you're overbought does not mean that you're done. And sometimes you can stay in these sort of overbought conditions for a little bit. But um, look for a little bit of consolidation back into this range. I think it's fine. Putting it into the bigger picture, Dennis, like look at this long-term uptrend. Like you would have to come all the way down to – 4,000 and change to change the, the uptrend that this market is in. Yeah. I think, though, in the near term, you got a better shot of testing the upper end of the range before you test the bottom end of the range or even the midpoint of the range. I think you just make a good point with the negativity. Like, I feel like I've turned. I'm one of the people that have turned, but there's so many, you know, like I asked on Twitter, I just put out a poll and I was like, I think, you know, people are starting to get more bullish. Man, the bears just attack me. There is actually still a lot of bears out there. <laughs> well, let me let me put it this way. I did a great presentation yesterday to some uh, more seasoned investors, older individuals. And what I'm surprised and what I'm noticing is that older investors that have been around, seen things over the years, they're a lot more bullish. If I'm talking to younger investors, maybe freshly out of school or a handful of years into the business, what I'm noticing is that they're a lot more bearish. Hmm. Um, so again, I think that historical perspective and maybe a little bit of gray hair here and there uh, hmm. certainly provides a little bit more, you know, rationale perspective to the market that seems to be missing with some of the um, newer investors in the business. What about the financials? They perked up a little bit. You know, it's funny. Like, we have this like, oh, we have a banking crisis. The world is going under. Your money's not safe. Run on the banks. Boom. Well, Last off the all-time high. Or not all-time highs, but you get a nice move. Do you, do you think? And we've been looking at the bounce and the KRE and some of these other financials here. 
Um, you know, could, does the market necessarily need the financials? Just maybe just hold steady. What's your take on those? Yeah, I mean, a couple things there. Um, number one, the, the path of least resistance for this market is clearly higher. Because what else are we going to throw at this thing? I mean, we got a war in Ukraine. Yeah. You had this bank crisis, this mini bank crisis that showed up, which to be clear to everybody was not credit related. It was liquidity created by the Fed and the Fed addressed it. And that issue seems to now be a back burner issue, not a front burner issue. We've had the fastest pace of rate increases that we've seen forever from the Fed. So we got all those issues thrown at the market. What else are we going to throw at it for this market to go down? It's not happening. It's sort of like the beach ball getting shoved below the waterline of the pool, coming back up at you, and that's where the market's going. Now, to your question, Dennis, or sorry, Joel, to whether we need to have the financials working, I think the answer is, at this point in time, if they just go sideways, I think we're okay. Do I think we're going to get a catch-up trade in these KRE and these others? I think, yes, we will, but... I think it's going to take a little bit longer before that ultimately plays out. I think we got to get through the next earnings season to hear the guidance um, from these companies, and then I think they can start to react. But if you're a patient investor, maybe not a trader down here, nibbling at some of these things, I think makes some sense. Now, one other thing, if I can jump to here that we've been talking about with clients has been simplistically this chart right here. Uh, lots of discussion about after the last rate hike and before you get to the first cut. Okay. Uh -huh. if I go through and we look at this. Paul's commentary is spot on. It takes about 8.2 months sort of on average when you have your last hike to your first cut. The median was six months. But if you look at these forward results, when you do see the Fed sort of have their last hike, what if I told you that you were 12 0.93% higher before you got your first cut. Like to your point, Dennis, you're bullish. The trend is up and all these numbers and through history, going back and looking at these things, definitely align with that perspective from a Fed window perspective. Craig Johnson, CFA, CMT, Managing Director, Chief Market Technician over at one of our favorite firms on Wall Street, Piper Sandler, joining us here on Pre-Market Prep. Great. Great commentary, Craig. We'll be dialing you up again real soon. Thank you. Thanks, Craig. Thanks, Craig. I meant to say place your bids, not watch your bids on that little tip. <laughs> place your bids. Buy the dip, Joel, again. It keeps working. What, a, what an important day Can't here. Can't stop, won't stop, man. No. Yeah. So many people underinvested, even myself included. You know, we get yeah. these earnings dips. Look, look how I've been rebuilding. AMD dips on the earnings. I'm buyer. You know, we had Airbnb, dips on the earnings, I'm a buyer. We had Salesforce.com, dip on the earnings, I'm a buyer. Salesforce has not worked out. That one I'm actually down in. Uh, about about even, actually. Um, the, what other ones? You know, like I'm just like getting the earnings dips on the tax stocks. And I'm like, yep, I got to rebuild it somehow. I mean, you know, obviously even Sentinel-1, I didn't do that one. But that one got bought on the dip, too. It, it, it's just a theme out here. I mean, they're buying one. stocks on the earnings dips. The Macy's. You know, it was the start of the retail turnaround on the earnings dip. I mean, you get these dips on the earnings, not Kroger. We're not talking Kroger here, but we're talking, you know, um, the growth stocks on the dips are getting bought. One thing that I could, 
uh, one thing that I saw there, Joel, from the chart that Craig just showed, right, is is this kind of more just the relief rally, though? And then we're going to start seeing these come right back down. Maybe. You can see there on that chart, right? It was like an incline, a nice little consolidation at the top, and then right back down. So that's where I'd be concerned about stocks that aren't really the best of breed, right? That's where I would focus in more like Dennis is saying in AMD versus, let's say, an unknown semiconductor name, right? I think that this is where we need to go ahead and try to understand that names like, let's say, C3AI can turn around way faster than, let's say, a Microsoft or a Google. And so I want to stick with best of breed on pullback opportunities versus going for every kind of pullback opportunity. Great level in Sentinel-1 for you as traders here. After we match the all-time low on a couple days after earnings, you got a pair of highs exactly matching at 16.18, and then another high at 16.09. We're down 33 cents. So to me, that looks like someone was just looking at the, the big standard deviation move down. They're saying, I'm loading the boat, and I'm out at 16. I don't care if this goes to 18, 19, 20, or 21. That's a big level there, folks. And you also have matching lows on the downside at the 1560 area. So nice technical setup in Sentinel-1. Also, if uh, anybody, I had uh, Taz Kujaji on uh, Pre-Market Prep Plus yesterday, and he gave some excellent commentary on Palo Alto Networks, CrowdStrike, and yes, Sentinel-1. So you guys could go over to premarketprep.com YouTube page and uh, listen to that very informative interview. Nice bounce in the S&Ps. Nothing there at 93.75. The only what, thing on what the What you're clearly seeing is a complete turnaround from what was here at six o'clock this morning. I know because I was up early. Um, we had tech, the tech wreck. We named the show even at eight o'clock tech wreck. What you're seeing clearly happening here right now in the last hour is buy the dip mentality coming into tech stocks. Netflix, it was green, but it's gone green further. But we've seen Google bounce back. We're seeing Amazon start to bounce back. Microsoft and Apple are almost green. They were way down this morning. We are clearly seeing buyers come into tech here. And actually, the IWM has weakened relative. At one point in time, we're on the show. IWM Mm -hmm. was only down 0.2%. Q's were down like 0.6%. That's completely turned around now. Q's down 0.45. IWM down 0.51. So we are seeing, again, the same story where tech gets the dip and people are backing up the truck to buy these stocks, regardless of valuation. All right, right. trade zero. Let's go, bitch. Let's do it. First one I'm going to cover right here on our gappers list is Target as the retail giant Target has announced a dividend increase of 1.9, bringing their payout to $1.10. This move indicates that the company's confidence in the financial performance could be maybe turning around. Um, it's just oversold. I mean, the stock was oversold. I think they're trying to do something to bring confidence back in because they're scared of having their Budweiser moment, which they kind of did for the last three weeks. Um, so they're trying and, you know, they're coming out and, you know, raise the dividend a little bit, try to bring some confidence back in here. I think, you know, you start thinking about the 50% retracement the other way on this, like the 140 to 145. I'm not looking at buying it at 135. I'm just saying if I was long this thing, 
140, 145, I'd probably be offloading it. I think the story, um, I, I just not a big fan of Target to begin with. And I mean, if exactly. they start calling this Budweiser, yeah. like, like if you want to buy a retail, I'd rather own Walmart, but on then Walmart's just been merging. Some people are saying buy Target short Walmart because this will eventually close in. They were doing the same thing with Bud and Tap. And I mean, Tap has continued to go higher and Bud continued to go lower. Yes, Bud has rebounded the last couple of weeks. But, you know, this this thing, you know, can, you know, and we're even scared to mention the stuff on the show, but this, you know, woke or whatever you want to call it, the companies, once they get associated, there's a lot of people out there who are not ready for that and they're dissociating with those brands. So, um, and Budweiser is finding it the hard way. And I think Target, you know, is, is, you know, obviously had similar, similar issues here. So I'm scared of these stocks right now. Yeah, I mean, it, it was having problems long ago, right? Uh, early in 2022. Uh, just one number, one number only for Target, 135 uh, pre-market high. Coincides with the daily high. So gets above there. Things are wide open on the upside on uh, Target. No reason to be a hero. Yeah, let's see Honest. what happens at 135. All right, let's go to another one that I have here on the Gappers list. It does have news today, AZ uh not azn azo uh getting a little bit distracted there AutoZone, well-known auto parts retailer has authorized an additional two billion in stock repurchase can this maybe save the downturn dennis i'll let you go i, I have a position and i can't talk it okay uh, i was kicking it to you joe oh okay <laughs> i had that feeling uh, and there's a lot of other stocks to talk about too so yeah yeah we yeah, can get through I, I have nothing i have nothing it's a 2400 stock start i can't I'm yeah actually, i don't get no i'm rarely in this but i'm in it yeah it's I'm, just really I'm hard i'm worse on 2500 stocks than i am on uh, dollar stocks so uh, i got out of my domino's pizza dpz is right at the top DPZ. of the list here yeah i bought it last okay. night on the upgrade um i actually did pretty good on this one i just sold it around three i sold in the 312 so it's still continuing it's in the 313s here now too but i feel like we're down in the day 2.33 percent. i feel like it's fully valued from this upgrade here who's upgrading it uh i think it was stifle upgrade stifle, stifle. Yeah, stifle. upgrading yeah. domino's pizza to a buy and raising the price i feel like seven is pretty fully that's a big move for Domino's. 350 is a big price target there yeah, but it's a big move. So uh, last night it was trading 308, 309, and I was like, "Wow, it's worth more than that." And you know, I so I got rewarded for that, obviously, and you know, pick up a few points here. I I, I think it's up seven. I feel like if you're buying it here now, you kind of it's fully valued for that upgrade. You know, people ask me, oh, "What's an upgrade worth? What's a downgrade worth?" Depends what it's trending. Is a contrarian call, momentum call? This Domino's Pizza, I feel like it's worth six, seven, eight bucks. So I think it's kind of valued where it should be this morning. 315. I mean, if you're looking for more, if you can take out the pre-market high, you don't have a daily high until 315.84. Uh, that was your May 22nd high. And I also see another high in that area. So if you're looking for a little bit more in this high price stock, there's a potential target for you. All right, let's go to the down filter, see what we're seeing there. Uh, if anything stands out, I do see Broadcom pulling back Ooh. a little bit here. Um, that's in the red there. What do you think about this? this that's just been such a run, run. too. So, yeah. and again, underneath demand here, we talked about this one was back at 8.05 and got it absolutely correct, saying it's sleepy, it was hooking, it was looking like it was going to go. It did go. Um, it's went up 8%, 9%, since we talked bullish about it four days ago. 
Um, it's still valuation, still cheap. It's underneath demand. You get anywhere near that 855, 860 area, buyers all over the place. Parallel right. is right in that area. It's a dip I would buy. Not not maybe necessarily down 13, but you know, if it got a little bit lower than this, I it's a dip I would be looking to buy. I see snow showing up on here. That's been a strong stock as of late. Oh. This is another dip that you'd be looking at. Um there's no valuation support here is the problem with snowflake like like an avgo is like you can get behind it 18 19 times mm -hmm. what's what's snowflakes p like 50 uh, well, what is it just curiously i'll Let's take a peek right quick yeah we'll go look trusty benzinga pro you can bring these up and look at these so we can show you know bring up your pro match and show how we find yeah. this information quickly I just have to switch screens there for a oh, second. So give me a second there, team. It's fine. Um, but I see, uh, I don't know if we got it right. We have a forward outlook. I mean, I don't know if this is right, but it says 322. 322. Well, it's just I was like, it I don't think it's that money. one. Well, I know, I you know, you might be one. right, actually, because they just don't print a lot of money here. So what they make on the last quarter? Two, three cents? I'm trying to go grab their last earnings as well. Yeah, calendar. Right. Let's go to the earnings. Oh, Hard to find support in make, this one. You know, yeah, wait. It's had I, a hell of a run too. Here. I know. It's not I my know. style. The stock is just not my style. To to pay 300 times. Yeah, 18107 I mean, is it's been playing catch up to Pan W, right? I mean, let's just be honest. That's been the move. That's been the best of breed. We'll see if that does turn around. That does have two highs around the same area. Uh, I see 239.63. What do you see there, Joel? Anything on Palo Alto for? Uh, oh, Palo Alto. Yeah, uh, man. I mean, best of breed there. If you're long it, congratulations. If you're shorted, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, we'll just keep <laughs> keep an eye on that uh, that closing price at thirty eight fifty six. You know, push your two forty. You know, two thirty nine sixty three was uh, yesterday's low. Uh, just looking at, I'm gonna, I'm gonna scoot here in a second. Yeah. I'm just looking. The S and P's did get a nice bounce here. We're almost mid range on the session, which is a good thing. At uh, 0650, we'll see what happens there. And then we got the all important double close up top at uh, the high close of the move at 1850 and 1675. And then the final programming note. Uh, at uh, three thirty today on the closing print. Do you guys have you guys been following Jeremy Newsom at all? Where that's in the that. world is Jeremy Newsom? That, that's a, that's a, that could be a game. You're right. Exactly. So what's he uh, doing now? He is a, he rented a uh, EV or uh, not EV a um, uh, a mobile home and he's driving across the country with his kids and his wife and he's visiting different traders. And I said, I, I just don't know how you convinced the wife to do that, but that's what I want to know more of. <laughs> so, uh, from wherever he's at, whatever, uh, electrical, uh, you know, hookup he's going to have at three 30, uh, he'll probably come out between three 30 and three 40. Where in the world is Jeremy Newsom? So that's that, uh, yeah, name. tune in at three 30 today. I, I've been saying it. We need to go on tour, baby. Pre-market uh -huh. prep. Coming soon. We got to get so Dennis out you. of the country. Dennis I have not left Canada in three years. It's becoming a complex. <laughs> I don't think they allow him out yet. <laughs> All right. Good day, everyone. Uh, back with you. I got to go, on. too. I'm dead tired. So No worries. Have a good a, one, Dennis. Feel better. Me one, I'm going to trade uh, the open and probably I think we all bit. definitely wish Spencer a, a better day. He's doing, he's doing well. Definitely. 
Okay. All right. Have a good one, Dennis. I'll let you get out of here, my friend. I'm going to wrap it up with you guys. Like always, we'll get you guys over to live trading action. We'll see what happens today. Of course, I got some swing trades on. We'll see if I uh, take the money and run in Tesla. A little part of me leaning a little bit towards at least taking some profits towards the open and then maybe letting the rest of the position work. We'll see what happens. Uh, Intel fighting myself to see if I take all the gains. Uh, Love already up 4.4. Might just run and take those gains too. We'll find out. What I'll tell you what though, you come over to live trading, you'll know exactly about the swing trading action. You'll know if we get into the small account challenge and also some day trading action. Zunaid killing it yesterday, struggling a little bit recently in the last two days on the day trading action. But like always, we needed what? Just come back in, new day. Let's focus on the process and get right back on the horse get back to the green. I'll see you guys like always up next. You guys got live trading. Don't go anywhere team. Smash the like button. I hope you guys enjoyed today's action. Like always, you guys can check us out and check out the book club. If you guys want to join a way to keep pushing forward and learning, we switched this to Tuesday night at seven 30 for a lot more of you guys to join up. So throwing up the book club link now and taking you guys over to live trading. Let's see what I can get into and see if I can battle back into the green today.